Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. It was a tremendously busy weekend last weekend on the World Darts Federation Tour with five ranking events spread across three different countries, Denmark, the USA and Canada. The most significant of those five events was the gold-ranked Denmark Open, which brought with it two more spots at the 2023 WF World Championships. Only one of those was booked by a player not previously qualified, though. Polish teenager Sebastian Biawetski winning the Men's Open with a 6-1 win over Darren Johnson. The women's event was won by the woman who'd won the Scottish Open just a week prior, the, the one and only Dieter Hedman. Hedman remains the WF World number 1. And she's the first of two guests on this week's show. I caught up with Dieter just before she went out to Denmark to discuss her recent shoulder troubles, Lakeside 2022 not going her way, the emotions of winning her sixth Scottish Open title, why she's elected to play in the WDF events that have clashed with the PDC Women's Series tournament so far this year. And uh, we looked ahead to a busy May for her that involves captaining England at the British Internationals and the World Seniors Masters back at Lakeside. I'm now delighted to be joined by the WDF World Number One and the new Scottish Open champion, Dita Hedman. Dita, how are you? Hello, Andrew. Good afternoon. I'm okay, I think. <laughs> Just about winning the battle against the hay fever. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever win a battle. <laughs> Before we get into the, the darts and lakeside and, and all of that, one thing I wanted to, to touch on, we discussed this when you were on the show at the end of last year, you were struggling with some shoulder problems. How is your shoulder now? Oh, they're giving me chip. I'll be honest with you, last night, it gave me hell. There's never a day go by that it doesn't. It's going to be a longer process. And as I think I... Just talking to Paul, um, will he ever get better? I don't know. I just keep doing all my exercise. Some nights it's not so bad, but funny enough, last night, it, whether because it got a bit colder, I think, hmm. but it kept me awake a bit last night. I was struggling a little bit, but, you know, that's how it is. Hmm. I just go with it. What will be, will be, I suppose. Is it a treatable problem or is it something you're just going to have to learn to, to live with and manage with? Well, it's my tendon. Hmm. So I just have to keep doing the exercise they gave me and just keep hoping that it will eventually get better. Hmm. I mean, I um, always have a support on it, wrapped it up like, you know, to hold the, the muscle. Hmm. And I have like a a painkiller patch on it, especially when I'm playing and working, I just keep it, you know, those kinetic tape, or mm. if I feel that's not working, then I just put something a little tighter on. If you notice, I wear a, one of those sleeves now. Mm. Yeah. And it's something I do all the time now when I play darts. And if I'm at work and it's giving me a little bit of chip, then I have one that I just put on just to help with the lifting and that, you know, so. How how did the shoulder actually hold up when you played on that Lakeside stage a couple of weeks ago? 
Well, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. Um, you know, it's just how it's been since I came back from, well, since last year. Mm. So when I came back from Prague, because I've been getting bits of, you know, little aches and pains as you do when you just put a bit of water oil or whatever, because that's what I, I always done, rub it in and it eases. But, um, oh, it's no excuse, Lakeside. It's just like any other tournament I play. It's just... Tory just come out the blocks, a hungry little girl, and good on her. You know, I started off all right. I didn't play that bad, but I didn't play that good. And it just like, yeah. You know, you, you've had some tough defeats on that that stage before. How were you? How disheartened were you? I suppose by the way things went against Tory. Disheartened, to be honest with you. Um, you just have to take darts in your stride. It's not be all and end all. Uh, of course, nobody likes to lose. And the manner in how she played, and uh, I mean, I don't think I won a bloody leg, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I had a chance on one, and even that disillusioned me. <laughs> now, you know, of course, I was disappointed in, in how it all went, but it is what it is. Uh, and we know you're going to be guaranteed to be back there next year anyway. So I was going to say, you know, that the Women's World Championship, obviously the biggest field in the tournament's history, the biggest prize fund in the tournament's history. You told me before that one of the first years you played there, the ladies almost had to have a petition to actually get their game shown on the, the BBC. So did you feel that this year's tournament, it had come an awfully long way? Oh, good God, yes. It's come a massive, massive long way because I remember at the time when we had all this support and that was where the the LDO was formed that um, now seems to have been the odd one or two. It didn't go the way it was meant to go because I feel that some people thought it was their baby, if you like. But I won't go down that road anyway. As I said, um, it's a shame that the organisation that was formed from that is not bigger than it is. Hmm. And this year it was fantastic because nobody had to complain about anything. The the end of the, the Women's World Championship saw Bo Greaves become the youngest ever world champion. Bo's someone you've mentored for, for a long time when she was coming through the youth setup in England. You played pairs together. And you were there as well last year when she was battling the dartitis problems as well. So to see her win and win the way she did, I imagine was a big moment of pride for you. Oh, good God. She's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And to come through dartitis and to play like that, it just shows you what a phenomenal talent she has got you know all he can do is just I suppose sit back and just see how she gets on because obviously winning the world title there will be lots of pressure now and it's how she copes with that because you you know sometimes you go into things not expecting whatever just to enjoy and speaking to her she's absolutely enjoying playing darts at the moment but she's got a good head on her shoulder for a young lady to be honest speaking to her at the scottish open and she's grown up she really has grown up so really it's just to see where she goes from here now which 
if she continue in that vein, <laughs> yes, she will be something phenomenal. Mm, absolutely. Now, we also saw at Lakeside something I know was a big sort of passion project of yours. We saw the first ever Girls World Championship and you were there to see it. Uh, what did that mean to actually see it kind of come together and happen? And, and what do you hope that they can achieve with the, the Girls World Championship moving forward? Well, obviously, like everything, that's the start. And more young girls are right around the globe will hopefully decide, yes, we're going to play darts now and that's where what we can achieve and then obviously they'll move into the senior. But it's like everything, we all have to work together to, to improve everything and for it to be there in the long term because everything is the first, you know. Hmm. So everybody kind of needs to get together behind it. I mean, when I was at the Scottish Open this weekend, there was a lot of... Um, young girls that was there hmm. and it was nice to see because they can see where hard work can pay off and hmm. one of the things as I've always said there was only a handful of ladies that used to do it professionally I mean now you've got Lisa Fallon who's still in Trina who was who's now working Anastasia but do you think that's that's nothing compared to the men, is it? <laughs> no, That's definitely not. Job, you know, we're just, um, it's just a hobby, I think, that we just love to do. And hopefully it will become on par with the men, but I don't think it will be on the par because there's just so many men to women who plays. But, you know, we can get it as best as we can. You, you've mentioned it that the Scottish Open, you, uh -huh. you've you've won it before, but going into the event, did you feel you had some extra motivation after the way things had panned out at Lakeside? You know, I didn't even think about it because we went up on the Friday to do the exhibition and before them, memorial thing with his family and friends, and I just thoroughly enjoyed that. And then we combined it with the Scottish Open. And I just went in and just to see how it goes. <laughs> and I think if you want, if you look at all my games, I started off really quite rubbishy. And my exhibition was total pants. <laughs> but I was having fun. And each game I just got a little better and better. And now, all the years I've played darts, I've never gone to a competition and think, yes, I'm going to win this. No, hold on. I'll tell a lie, told a lie, once ever in my entire year when I came back, I went to the Dutch Open. And I told this story. I remember we were walking through the corridor, a hotel called the Kornikoff, I think it was, and they were taking out all the trophies. But it was a tongue-in-cheek. I went into the room. I said, which one is the ladies? And they showed it to me, and I picked it up, kissed it, and said, I'm going to win that, and I did. And it's the first time ever in my life I've ever done something like that. But no, when I go tournaments, Andrew, I just see what turns up, and if they go well, they go well. If I lose, yeah, I'm disappointed, but hey, I just move on. That's the sixth time you've won the Scottish Open in, in your career. Where does that one rank among the others? They're all 
run tournaments. They were all great. I told I remember um Anthony said to me on the Sunday, how many titles that I just said to him, Don't ask me. Don't <laughs> ask Paul. He's the decision. I said, I just go play joy and when it's done, I'm off home back to work, brush myself down and get ready for the next one. <laughs> you know, and that's what I do. <laughs> It's probably because I don't think of things. I don't think, oh, I'm going to win this or whatever. I just go meet people I've seen for a year or whatever. And obviously, COVID, it's been a while. So I just go and just try and enjoy myself, you know? And that's me. And I don't know. That's probably why I do as well as I do, because I don't put pressure on myself. And if people say to me, quite often I've been to it, and it goes, oh, you'll win this. And I went, We'll see. <laughs> That's me. Combining this weekend, the, the Scottish Open and, of course, the Andy Fordham exhibition on the the Friday, did that make your Scottish Open win this year more emotional than your, your other Scottish wins? Oh, God, yes, it was, actually, because Andy's wife, son, good friend, Steve, oh, they all came down and Will Woolley, who arranged the, the exhibition, they all came down on the Saturday while I was playing, you know, to watch me play. And then they were watching it on their way home. So, yeah, it was a little bit in, in that sense. Yeah, for sure. In it. So I just think I was open. Yes, he was probably looking down on me holding my arm up. <laughs> The Scottish Open is, is one of the, the bigger ones in the, the WF circuit to have used the Dark Connect system, which is hopefully going to be used more and more going forward. As a seeded player, what was your experience of the, the Dark Connect setup? Well, anything like that, I, it, to be fair, put a bit on, yeah, you have the long wait and whatever, but even when you had where it was all had written and stuff like that, it was still a long wait. You know, sometimes it went on longer. But the system as it, where everybody register, I just like how the games, once you start, they move on. Hmm. Everything has its upside and its downside. When you have a time, normally, if a board is running early, someone has a time and you think, where are they? And then they eventually roll up maybe an hour or so if the game is moving forward. And they goes, well, that's the time I've got. That eliminates all that rubbish. Mm. So if your board is going early, it goes early. It's it's up to you to to learn to uh, pace yourself. Because I think most of it is like the drinking and the waiting. Mm. But it's something that, um, for me, when... If, say, they're having the finals on that day, when the final, when all the games are finished and ready then you get on with it. Hmm. And I like that. I like that when things are finished, all the games on the floor is finished, stage should be set and ready, and then you move on. Hmm. You know, so... Absolutely. I like this system, to be fair. Once you get the Agavab to work, the pads. <laughs> to, be, to start with, I was a little bit... Oh, of it, and I'm getting the hang of it now. <laughs> it's good well, to good to know, hear. It, it takes away um <laughs> the taking away. Mind you, still have to learn to add up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't mind it at all, to be honest. Mm -hmm. 
this coming weekend, I know you're off to, to Denmark at the end of the week for the, the Denmark Open and the, the Denmark Masters. But this weekend, there's also the second block of the, the women's series. Now, the first two blocks have both clashed with WDF gold events, and you've chosen the, the WDF ones rather than the, the women's series. I think I know why, or at least some of the reason why you've made that decision, but I've seen few people on social media, as they normally do, speculating, wondering why you've chosen the WDF ones and not the, the women's series. So I suppose, can you explain your decision-making for, for picking the Isle of Man in Denmark over the, the women's series? Well, I am on the WDF board as the mm. players' commissioner. So how would that look if I decided to do the women's series as to be part of the WDF? Mm. Come on. You know, it, it it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, the PDC, those tournaments were there in the calendar. I mean, especially the Isle of Man. It's been going for years. Yeah. Okay, it's great what the PDC is doing for the ladies as well. But also, all these women or whoever wish to speculate, that the grassroots of darts been there for a long time for the ladies to participate. So I'm not going to abandon them right now because the PDCs put something on to clash with them. If they don't clash, I will do it. Hmm. But while I'm still on the WDF board, then I will support the WDF, be gold, silver or bronze. Hmm. It's, it's, it's me. I support who I am there with. And if something else is, as I say, doesn't clash with it, then by all means I will support it. We'll sit down and work with the WDF. Hmm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that will clash through COVID. Well, now that COVID, yes, COVID is still with us, but now that they can sort the calendar out, I am hoping that, especially the gold, they don't clash it with. Hmm. But then again, the countries who are trying to build up who can't do a gold or silver, but they can do bronze and that, it will have a knock-on effect because they do look forward to having the big names there and it brings people out, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, because yeah. I am on the WDF board, I will support WDF. Now, looking ahead, you've got a very busy May coming up because I know you're off to the the Welsh Open at the beginning of the month, and then at the end, you've got two big things. You're, you're captain in England, first of all, at the, the British Internationals. How much are you looking forward to, to leading the team out in Wales? God, I always love that moment. I do love that moment when you sit there and your friends ain't your friends. <laughs> <laughs> My spanter, you know what I mean? Oh, it's what oh God playing for your country, such a passion. Oh, my good God, I think every nerves in my body tingles when I get there and I get on that stage and sitting there as well, just screaming for your teammates to win, you know? Oh, oh it's heaven. <laughs> I literally do love playing for England. Mm. And when you have a team that you're together, it's even better. Yeah, definitely. You know? Win or lose, you pick each other up. You win the highs, you lose the lows. It's just, oh, 
you think we've all killed each other when you if you don't win. <laughs> you know what I mean? But oh man, the winning the losing is devastating, but the winning is just something else. Yeah, for sure. And how how do you think England are gonna get on this year? You've got quite a strong team. We always have a strong team. But you know, all the rest of the countries have caught up. That's that's what I've seen over the years. And I'm just hoping that we can go out there and do the biz. <laughs> but it's no gimme. Mm. One time you could sit down and you could look at it and you'd go, okay, if you get drawn that one, that's a good draw. We, we know we can do. But, I mean, pre-COVID, see how everything's gone. This is going to be the first one since the old COVID shut down, wasn't it? Mm. Yes, so, so yes, I'm looking forward to it and hopefully we all perform. And then the week after the British Internationals, you'll be back at Lakeside for the World Seniors Masters, a game with Colin Monk in the first round for you. Have you played Colin before? I don't know, actually. I know Colin and I are very, are very good friends because his boy Aaron qualified for the England International mm. as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I hate that stage at Lakeside, but we'll see what turns up. I just think they need to make... I know it's the iconic, but that we just need a bit more room at the back. I don't know if you noticed um, when um, Bo was playing uh, Veronica. Veronica stepped back and Bo had to check herself because she don't stand that close up but the back of that stage is so short because mm. I like to stand behind the player I don't like standing on the side of them them I don't like people standing but it's so short at that back I'm waiting for the day when somebody actually falls off <laughs> somebody probably has already but oh yeah yeah <laughs> I was going to say, Maria O'Brien did take a tumble off the stage during a walk-on this year. So yeah, well, that was the walk-on. It was not actually <laughs> on the back of, you know, when they played. That would be something. Well, I wish you all the best. You've got a busy schedule coming up, Dita, but I wish you all the best for it. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you, Andrew. Now it's time to get out to go to work. It's uh, hopefully, as you gathered from that, it's always a pleasure for me speaking to Dita and hopefully over the coming months, the uh, battle with the hay fever goes a little bit better for her than it seemed to be last week. Given that she's still battling with the, the tendon problem in her shoulder, I thought she played really well uh, in Denmark. Yes, the field was obviously affected by the, the clash with the events in, in Wigan. But ultimately, you beat what's in front of you. And Dita did that pretty comfortably to win the Open on the Saturday. She's now won that title six times, which is more than anyone else in history. She previously shared the record at five with John Lowe and Francis Hunselaar. But now she stands in a category all of her own, which is the case for a lot of events, given that she's now at 229 career titles. The only person with more titles than the Heart of Dance is... Phil Taylor, so that's a pretty illustrious company to to be in. As I say, though, she, she looked pretty comfortable throughout the Open. She, To be honest, she was only really pushed in the quarterfinal by Sweden's Suzanne Hagval. Uh, Suzanne was 3-1 up in that game uh, before Dita won three on the spin to, to take it 4-3. In the final, she played Anka Zilstra, who's obviously very good friends 
Those two are obviously very good friends, but Dita went 3-1 up. And although Anka pulled it back to 3-3, there only ever really seemed like one winner in that game. And Dita kicked on again to take it out 5-3. She played even better, really, in patches on Sunday in the silver-graded Masters competition. But she was denied a title double uh, in the semi-finals when she lost to Norway's Rackner David, who's played at Lakeside a couple of times in the past. Uh, Rackner then, unfortunately for her, lost in the final to Suzanne Smith. Um, Suzanne's been playing really well over the last couple of years since since coming back to the game. Uh, she's consistently got to the later stages. It was a big run at Denmark last year, actually, that really pushed her up the rankings and, and geared her up for, for qualifying for Lakeside. She got to the Slovak Open final earlier this year. But she now finally has a second career title to show for her efforts. As I noted at the top of the show, though, Dita remains WF world number one by some considerable distance. And she remains in very good stead to qualify through that number one position for the Australian Open in August, which I'm sure will be a wonderful experience for her. And I know is another reason why she wanted to prioritise those WF events because of the opportunity available to her to, to go over to Australia. The men's open, as I mentioned, w- w- was won by Sebastian Biavetsky. He joins uh, Dave Prince, Neil Duff and James Hurrell in winning automatic spots at the World Championships next year. The really, uh, When I was looking through the draws on Friday of last week, I fancied him to go really well, and I'd actually penciled him to win the Masters on the Sunday. Uh, in my little projection that I always make when the draws come out. In the end, he did it a day earlier, beat the likes of Dennis Nilsson and Sean McDonald on the stage before facing Darren Johnson in the final. We were guaranteed a new face at the World Championships either way because while Darren was in the PDC for years, he's never played in a BDO WDF World Championship. But in the end, it was didn't have enough to, to stop the impressive Polish teenager who won 6-1. We saw Biavetsky do so well to reach the quarterfinals of the UK Open earlier this year. He's developing all the time. He's obviously qualified for a number of Euro tours as well. Has got the Development Tour, Challenge Tour this year, potentially other WDF events as well. So I think he's going to be in really good nick by the time January, potentially, uh, comes round. And I think he'll be a great addition to the field. And I think when you see someone like him win, it proves the value of the gold events where... On one day, you can go to that competition, win it outright, and you're guaranteed a place. It adds an extra incentive to certain events for certain players, and it means that sometimes you see faces that you wouldn't necessarily have done otherwise. Um, So, yeah, that was a a nice win for him, and I think he's a really interesting name and exactly the sort of player they want at the World Championships moving forward. The Men's Masters was won by a very emotional James Richardson, James had suffered a family bereavement only about 10 days before the event. It was actually quite a late entry for, for, for Denmark, but he looked good all weekend. He made the semi-finals of the Open on the Saturday, going out to, to Darren Johnson, and then came through to, to win the Masters. In, I mean, he looked fairly comfortable from what I'd seen before the the final when he played a, another former PDC tour card holder in the shape of Jella Klaassen. It was actually, I was looking this up before the final. Although Yella's a world champion, won the 2006 Worlds, was the youngest world champion at the time, Yella had never actually won a floor event before that world championship, which I thought was quite 
interesting. So we were guaranteed a new WDF ranking event winner, and it was James who won it 6-5 in the end. Really good quality final, and uh, you could see what it meant to, to James, and with a really good performance that weekend, he's now obviously in a comfortable position in the rankings, and with, with more events to come, I know he's going to Wales this weekend. Yeah, he'll be in a good stead come the end of the year, and I think he'll be on course for a second WDF World Championship appearance next year after he played last month, you know, beating Sebastian Steyer and then, and then losing to Scott Marsh in the last 32. The week before Denmark, another North European event took place, and that was the Iceland Open. As I touched on last week, it was a shame I couldn't be there because their events are so well run and I absolutely adore Iceland as a country. Um, but tournament looked like it went really well, even if numbers were slightly lower than they'd hoped for. And one of the winners from that weekend in Iceland, the women's Iceland Open champion, Ingebjörg Magnusdottir, she's the second guest on this week's show. We caught up last week to discuss her title win, how a health diagnosis in her early 20s got her into darts, how she met her partner Vitor Chirua, and how she's going about training the next generation of Icelandic talent with her JDC Academy. I'm now delighted to be joined by the new Iceland Open champion, Ingebjörg Magnusdottir. How are you, Ingebjörg? I'm great. What about you? I'm very good, thank you. Hopefully the, the pronunciation of your name wasn't too bad. No, it was perfect. Yes, a win for me. There you go. <laughs> we'll get on to your Iceland Open win in a minute but I mean you've been the, the top woman in Icelandic darts for a few years now so looking back for you what was it that got you into darts originally? Um, I actually have arthritis so darts is a very good sport uh, to do when you have arthritis so I'm, I'm not running much but uh, I can walk back and forth from the board so that's fine. Hmm. Was that something you got diagnosed with quite young then? Uh, yes, I was. It was in 2008. Okay. So I was 22, I think, or three. 23, yeah, 23. So did you play darts before then, or was it something you picked up after the diagnosis? It was after, in 2012. Hmm. When you first started playing, was it something that came naturally to you, or was it something that you had to put a lot of practice in to, to get to the level you're at now? Well, a lot of practicing. Um, it was actually by accident. Uh, I went to a birthday party and there was a girl there. Um, and we, I didn't know many people there. Uh, so she asked me if I wanted to throw some darts. And I was like, yeah, I can try that. Uh, and then she invited me to join her team at the Reykjavik Dart Club. And yeah, I just, it was... I never looked back after that. <laughs> I know you are a big practicer now, and I use the the GoDarts Pro system. So, sort of, how regularly during a week would would you practice? I think it's about well, I think an hour a day now, uh, because I have the kids and uh, training, and I always throw a little before that and after. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. And what what would your routine normally consist of when you're practicing? Uh, I always do the JVC and 100 darts at bull, 100 darts at 20, and then just a random uh, training exercise on Go Darts Pro. Just yeah, try, I'm trying to try them all, but there are so many. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
You say you started playing darts 2012. Is there a, a breakthrough moment for you that you can pinpoint where you were like, I'm actually quite good at this now and I'm, I'm one of the top players in Iceland? Yeah, I think it was uh, in 2019 where it changed. Then I, could, uh, I, I used to be the president of the Icelandic Darts Association uh, until, well, from 2014 to 2018. And then in 2019, I could just focus on, on my darts more. So, yeah. Hmm. And I mean, it, when you were involved in sort of the administrative side with the, the federation, what did that actually involve you you doing? Well, the Icelandic Championships and Iceland Open for the first time in 2015. Oh, nice. And of course, helping the club, starting the youth. I think that happened in 2016 or 17, where we had the first youth coach. Hmm. Nice. So this is probably... I think I know the answer to this, but you're obviously married to Vitor Chirua, who is one of the, the top names in the men's game in Iceland. Did you meet each other through the, the darts scene? Yes, we did in 2015. Um, he Actually, there was a tournament uh, in Akureyri up in the north, mm -hmm. and he asked for a ride. I didn't know him. Uh, we were supposed to be a lot of people in the car, but it ended up just the two of us. And we got to know each other very well because he says I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> I just drive slowly and there was snow. So, yeah, we got we got to know each other quite well on that road trip. <laughs> and obviously now you're, you're happily together and you've got children together as well, which is obviously good. Uh, no, we don't have any children. We both oh. had children before we met. Oh. Uh, but we have a darts club, which is our little baby. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I was going to come on to that because I got a, a tour of your dark club when I was over in Iceland in February, and it was, it was fantastic. But how did that actually, the buying of the property and the doing up, how did that all actually come about for you and Vitor? Um, well, we, we uh, how do you say that? Uh, there used to be a dark club in the town we live in, but it um, wasn't active. And in 2020, we decided to... Uh, activated again so a lot of people were interested and we had the first meeting and then we just started looking for a house we of course talked to the town but they didn't have any houses that we could could rent um, so yeah we found this one um, and yeah just went for it <laughs> it's, it's fantastic it's a, a brilliant venue and Am I right to think you're actually running competitions in that now as well as just practice sessions and, and whatever? Yeah, we have our um, our club's championship this Saturday, so I look forward to that. <laughs> That's great. And part of, of what you're doing with that club, you're an accredited JDC coach and it was the first JDC academy in Iceland. So how did you actually first get involved with the, the JDC coaching program? Uh, well, actually, we went to uh, Madrid in 2018, where I met uh, Michael Van Gerwen, mm -hmm. and he was the start of that, uh, to help us along the way with starting the JDC and, and the youth here in Iceland going to JDC tournaments. Hmm. And, yeah, slowly we just learned more and more, and, and we are just in the start uh, area yeah regarding JDC, but hopefully that will 
um, Blossom Moor this year. We just started in January with the first group from 8 to 12. And they are 14. Um, it's a little bit harder to reach the 13 to 18 years old, but but we'll get there. <laughs> so that meeting with, with Michael Van Gogh, was that a, a competition or an exhibition? Or how did that actually come about and what did you end up talking about? Uh, Alvogen, Alvotech, they had it was like a big conference where they wanted to have darts uh, as a part of their uh, booth in the conference and uh, me and Vitor went there and for two days we, everybody that would, they could try darts and could play uh, a game called the nine darter or the notorious nine darter where you get nine darts to score as many points as you can and the five um, biggest scores would play a, a leg against Michael Van Gerwen. So he came on the third day and, and played against the winners. And, and that was, yeah, quite, quite fun. I suppose you, you say it's harder to, to reach the, 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 sort of the teenagers in Iceland. Why do you feel that is? Is it that, you know, darts isn't as appealing or they've got a lot of other things going on in their lives? Well, of course, they got a lot of other things, but I also think because we're just starting, we they don't know mm. that they can practice darts. So it's, yeah, give me one year and I will have 50 kids here. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So moving on to the Iceland Open, which you won on Sunday... That was one of the few tournaments you hadn't actually won before, so I imagine that was a an element of motivation going in that you actually wanted to win it for the first time. Yes, yeah, I was very happy. <laughs> Finally won it, <laughs> but it was of course when you organise a tournament, it's always harder to play and organise. Uh, and for the first time, I could I could just play and not think about anything mm. else regarding Iceland Open. So I was yeah. That was good for me. Of course. And it was the second ranking event in Iceland this year because we had the, the Reykjavik International Games earlier this year where you got to the final on that, that occasion and lost out to, to Margaret Sutton. So again, I guess Iceland, it was like, oh, I want to win this one. So I've, I've won the home title. Yeah, of course. So uh, Margaret was so good on her doubles. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She played very well that day, even though she didn't have her glasses. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in terms of tournaments in Iceland outside of the Iceland Open how regularly have you been playing recently? Um, a lot there's a minimum of one tournament each month uh, either at the club or at the at the um, association so we play a lot of darts winning the Iceland Open gets you into the, the World Masters later this year. Is that a tournament you've played in before? Uh, yeah, well, we, we played at Lakeside, I can't remember the year, but I, I lost the, the match. So, But that's actually how I uh, met the, what's that called, the World Disability Darts Organization, mm. because they had their tournament on the, on the same time. And that's how I got interested in, in developing disability darts in Iceland. Mm. Yeah, and of course, you've got the, the adaptable boards in your club as well, so it's a good place for, for people with disabilities to be able to go and play darts. Yeah. Having that, you know, having qualified for that now gives you a target for 
the end of the year and obviously it's something for you to to build towards but are there any other WDF competitions on the horizon that you'll be traveling to? Uh, well we're going to the Nordic Cup in May in Sweden and they have an open tournament on Sunday as well I think that's WDF ranked hmm. uh, it should be I think yeah yeah, that's the only one I have on for now. And then the Europe Cup in Spain, I think, I hope I will be selected for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about that because you played in the World Cup before for Iceland and I wondered whether the Icelandic Federation had decided the teams for the Europe Cup yet. But from what you're saying, obviously not just yet. Yeah, no, not for the Europe Cup, uh, but for the Nordic Cup. And I think they will they will pick after the Nordic Cup, depending how that goes and... and they also have one uh, tournament in August or the beginning of September, I think, that they will use um, to pick the players. Hmm. But you would, well, I would certainly assume that you're probably going to be first choice or you know near the top of the rankings anyway come the time they do pick the team. Yeah, I hope. There are a lot of good women players um, coming up and practicing a lot, so that's good for me as well because that pushes me to practice more. Hmm. For sure. Do you feel there are, are more women playing darts in Iceland now than there were when you first started sort of 10 years ago? Yes, a lot more. In the last two years, um, a lot of good players are coming in hmm. and, and with very good potential. So And the right mindset, that's also a, a big part of it. Hmm. And is that is that mindset one of they want to play well and they want to challenge themselves and, and seek bigger opportunities rather than sort of playing recreationally or casually? Yeah, they, yeah, they do both, yeah. yeah. And also the learning of, of the, the outshots and like how, how, I'm, how, I, how can I finish my game in the, in the fewest starts. So that's a very big part of it, in my opinion. One thing I wanted to ask is this coming weekend we've got the second round of the, the PDC Women's Series and I've seen a few people online wondering if you were going to be coming over for those events this year. Have you entered this weekend? And if not, why not? Um, I haven't, um, but I want to. Um, I had a look when the first weekend was, but then we had a tournament here in Iceland and I wanted to play the men in that tournament before I went on to play the women's series <laughs> and I won my group it was the fourth fourth um, league in the men's I think fourth or fifth um, I'm not going this weekend we have our club's championship mm -hmm. but I think there are what, three left so hopefully I will be able to join one of them or two hmm Absolutely, and do you feel do you feel now that that's the next stage for your career is actually being able to to travel and test yourselves against the the top women from the rest of Europe? Yes, yeah, I've been there once. I went when it was in Germany before COVID. Hmm. Yeah, definitely something I want to put on my calendar. And when when you made that trip over here before for the the PDC women's events, what how was that experience for you? It was great. I lost, but still, when you when you when you play against a better player, it always encourages you to be better. Looking ahead for you, are there are there any particular goals you have in mind that you want to achieve in darts? Um, yeah, Nordic Cup Master. Hmm. Next month. 
So uh, that's my goal right now to to win the Nordic Cup. And it, is there anything longer term that you're you're looking to that you'd love to you know ideally I'd love to play in a world championship or, or something like that. Probably. The next Fallon Sherrick. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, all, all the women want that. So. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely the the exposure and the opportunity she's you know gotten been given is taken advantage of. I'm sure is a inspiration as much as anything else. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think that's also a big part of more women playing darts around the world. And I would like to do a nine-darter as well. It has never happened in Iceland, so it would be great if a woman would do that first. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that would be a fantastic achievement. Thank you so much for your time today, Ingebjörg. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best with the Nordic Cup next month. Fingers crossed you, you achieve what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really lovely to chat with Ingebjörg. I was so delighted I actually got the pronunciation of her name right first time as well, which is a relief. I do hope that she gets over to the Women's Series events later this year because I think, as much as anything else, they're a valuable learning experience for players like her. And, of course, she's got the World Masters later this year too and she's another player who can go on the list of not knowing that they were in the tournament before speaking to me. So think we're closing in on double figures now which is uh i don't know is that good is that bad i don't know you guys can um tell me but there were three other events this past weekend in addition to the two competitions in denmark that the highest graded of those was a silver event in the usa the cleveland extravaganza the most impressive player in either competition was danny lauby jr and he won the men's event and basically blistered through the field he dropped just five legs before the semi-finals where he produced finishes of 80, 100 and 121 to beat Alex Spellman 4-3. In the final, he took on the American legend Larry Butler who'd beaten Leonard Gates in his semi-final. Danny raced into a 4-1 lead before Larry reduced the deficit to 4-2 with a brilliant 170 finish. Uh, Unfortunately, that 170 was the end of Larry's comeback, though, because Danny wrapped up the title in the next leg with a lovely one-foot-one finish of his own. Uh, in the end, Danny finished with four 180s in the final and a 97 average, which was the best of the entire competition. Danny's someone we have come to know through the CDC events more than, than anything else, and he's graced the Alexandra Palace stage a number of times, but he's third in the USA rankings right now with the WDF behind Leonard Gates and Captain America Jim Widmeyer. Obviously Danny's a young guy and, and Larry's at a different stage of his career and it was another battle of age versus experience in the women's Cleveland extravaganza final as well as 17 year old Asia Jalbert took on Paula Murphy who of course made her lakeside debut last month at the age of 65. Paula went 3-1 up in the women's final before the teenager won four on the spin to take it 5-3 and Arger actually did the double that weekend as well because she picked up the girls title earlier in the day. The other two ranking events last weekend were in Canada. The Snowflake Open in Alberta saw the titles won by former guest on the show Brenda Moreau and the Shark Kylie Edmonds. Sean Burt who memorably knocked out Connor Scott at Lakeside last month and had six starts to knock out the eventual finalist Thibaut Tricol. He lost in the men's semi-finals. 
The second Canadian event was the Shediac Open in New Brunswick. There's not too much information or too many results anywhere, uh, but through some careful digging, I found out that the singles events were won by the Canadian international Keith Way and Cara the Princess Kennedy. The WF Tour rolls on this weekend with a third successive gold event. Uh, it's over in Prestatyn in Wales. You've got the Welsh Classic on Friday, which is a silver-graded event, and then the highly regarded Welsh Open, which is a gold on the Sunday. At the time of recording, there are 391 entries for the men's Welsh Open and 112 for the women's, which is a, a good number and an improvement on some of the recent women's competitions. Uh, some interesting names in the, the men's field outside of the seeded players You've got Scott Baker playing in a WDF event for the first time in a while. Gary Blades, Sean Griffiths. Terry Jenkins was a name that really stood out to me. Nick Kenny is starting to make his comeback on the WDF tour. Played some good stuff in, in Denmark, ran into Per Larsen twice and then uh, lost to Yella Klaassen in the Masters on Sunday. Mark Webster, I wonder if that's the 2008 world champion Mark Webster. I really hope it is. And, of course, the... Uh, the 2020 world champion Wayne Warren will be in action as well in his home event. In the women's tournament, the standout name outside the seeds, of course, you've got Bo Greaves and, and uh, Dee Tedman and all the top ladies are all playing in Wales. But the, the standout in the women's really is Lisa Ashton playing her first WDF event since the 2020 world championships. After winning two more women's series events last weekend, you would really consider Lisa among the favourites to go all the way and and win the Welsh Open or, or win the Welsh Classic or maybe even win both of them but we'll have to wait and see but it will certainly be exciting to see her back in that environment and hopefully back on the big stage in the WF events as well. Excitingly there is a third ranking event this weekend and it's the first Asian ranking event since November 2019. It's the bronze graded West Japan Cup there's nothing else on the calendar for the Asian region at the moment, but having an event on there is a really positive sign, especially with the news earlier today that the PDC Asian Tour is seemingly cancelled again in 2022 and they're just going to have to rely on country-specific qualifiers. If the WDF can cobble together the requisite number of events for Asia, it would be fantastic to, to see representation from there because it's such an untapped market for darts and I think it's one of those areas where the WDF's mission and their system will be perfect for giving more and more opportunities to players from those regions in conjunction with what the PDC would normally be doing with the Asian Tour and, and uh, potential separate World Championship qualifiers as well. Hopefully we'll find some results from the, the West Japan Cup but obviously information on that one remains to be seen. Well, that's all for this week, but I just want to say a big thank you to Dieter and Ingebjörg for their time on this week's show, and thank you to you guys, as always, for listening. I'll be back next week with hopefully three guests, including something a little bit different. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF, and you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>